no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast from the perspective of lifelong fans. On today's show, we will break down the Bears' week two victory against the New York Giants and much more. Hey, Dub, how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling pretty good, Prez. How are you? I'm going to tell you this, man. Uh, and you probably remembered this from last week when we uh, went on the show and I said that I was going to upgrade the life insurance policy. <laughs> Bro, I'm doing that shit Monday, bro. I cannot handle any more of this. I mean, we we got a 17-13 victory against these Giants, but bro, I can't take any more games like this, man. <laughs> I understand how you feel, man. It's getting close. They're very close games and I'm um, coming down to the wire. Man, this team is playing on my emotions, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm gonna crack open this this victory brew. I'm going to drink this little uh, Prohibition Pills from Ken's Lager Brewery. What you about to sip on, man? Cracking over my uh, Chicago common style. I'm telling you, we might need to crack open a second one because uh, this is the thing. Listeners, We, me and A-Dub, we are not negative dudes. We are probably some of the more positive people that you guys will ever get to know. But I'm going to tell you guys one thing about this Bears team in this 2020 season. I am not liking what I'm seeing. Now, being 2-0 is great because guess what? We could be 0-2. So that part of the equation, I'm going to be happy about. But A-Dub, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not happy with what I saw today. And you know what? I will say exactly what you said last week, the tale of two halves, right? (laughs) 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 I mean, the first half, I'm like, great, we're on a mission. And then second half hit, I'm like, okay, we got problems. Dude, hey, Dub, man, I was I was still over here at the crib after that first half. I was over here flexing, talking all kind of shit. And then that second half, I man, I like I took the bass I took the bass out of my voice. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. I totally get it, <laughs> man. I'm like, bro, what is this team doing right now? I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff we're gonna get into in this episode, but I'm just gonna tell you, fans, listeners. We're 2-0. Club Dub is back open, so we're going to embrace that part of it. But me and A-Dub, we're going to break this thing all the way down for you guys where you guys can just kind of feel the way we feel right now, like, with this game. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, we got the dub, but there's a lot of things that we still need to clean up with this team. Absolutely. So, A-Dub, looking at this game, what was your uh, what was your here comes the boom moment of the game? You know, what was the moment of the game that, like, for you was just like, all right, cool. This is a key moment. 
Um, there, you can look at a couple key moments in this game, and I probably can hit on multiple ones in this game. The first key moment came on our first defensive play. I think in that key moment, we actually had um, a big old hit that was done by um, Quinn that says, uh-oh, we're ready to go. Um, that big sack. You talk about that strip sack. Yes, sir. That strip sack, Mac picks it up, and I say, okay, we're ready. Our defense, let's take over. We got this. I'll tell you one thing, and you know what? We talked about it briefly on the podcast last week with Quinn being that $70 million acquisition, replacing Leonard Floyd, and how we needed somebody on the opposite side of Khalil back to step up. Well, guess what? That was his first play on the field as a bear, and I thought, man, he showed up pretty well there. Absolutely. So I was happy to see that part that went on, um, and that kind of set the tone for that first quarter. That was, and it was, it was kind of cool to see him like on the sideline. He was kind of basking in that. He was real, he was real happy, smiling. I thought that that was a really key play for them because that, that kind of ignited that team. Right. Cause I think the first play was Hicks. I think it was a run play and Hicks stopped that run, right? Hicks got in there, yep. boom, big play, stopped that run. And then that's when Robert Quinn picked up that big old sack, um, knocked the ball out. And of course, like you said, Mac recovered that. I think for me, when I look at that first half of the game, I love that opening drive, touchdown drive. The fact that the play calling on that drive was pretty flawless. Mitch executed very well. And A-Dub, you probably know this, but our listeners may not. Last year, the Bears only had eight touchdown drives that had 11-plus plays in them all season last year. In the first half of that game, they had two drives that had 11-plus plays in them that led into touchdowns. So for me, that opening drive, the way we started that game off, I thought for me that was more of a, a very you know key defining moment in that in that game, and I thought that that was really awesome. We had our base, we had our foot on those guys' throats in that first half, mm-hmm. and what we're gonna get into in this episode is the fact that how we let these guys back into the game by basically taking that foot off their throat. But I think we have to make sure that in these games that we play an entire four quarters because, as you mentioned, again this is a tale of two halves. Last week against the Lions. We basically had three quarters where we were sleepwalking and then the fourth quarter where we woke up. Today's right. game, the first half of the game, we looked like, man, we were ready to roll. And that second half, I don't know what was going on with those guys, man. <laughs> Good point. And I want to piggyback on one thing you said about that first um, uh, first possession. That was 12 plays, I believe, was around 82 yards, 12 plays. So that was huge for us um, for that first possession to really come out and just roll with it. The good pass from Mitch, good run plays. I think Nagy did a good job with starting off with the run again. It actually worked out well for us. And then it ended with a pass TD to uh, Montgomery. So I thought that was awesome just to see how everything was connecting all together. I mean, it was hitting on all senators. And I think we were like around, what, three for three on third down possessions. Yep. Um, so I thought we did a good job with that. No, we definitely did. Um, and the one thing, too, that I liked um, what, that I saw in that first quarter Kyle Fuller, man, he was flashing. Like the, I don't know if you noticed that, but they were trying to get the ball to Sterling Shepard for some reason, and they knew that Kyle Fuller was on him, and it was really disrespectful to me seeing that they were going after Kyle because Kyle was letting them know real quick, I'm all pro over here. Don't throw that shit on this side of the field, bro. Oh, he made his presence felt around that, and I think um, you know they were better off, I will say the Giants, knowing they didn't have their weapons out there because they became unpredictable. But I think up front, like you said, with Fuller, having the fact that he knew he had a shepherd, he knew he was going to guard him, he was ready for it. I don't think the Giants were ready for that because Fuller's held his ground. <laughs> I mean, he set the tone early. And also, too, he, he had that initial really good uh, open field tackle with Saquon Barkley. 
And obviously, I know we'll get into this later about Saquon Barkley's injury, but I would say Fuller, that first quarter, he came to play because that tackle that he made an open field on Saquon, and Saquon's a big back, fast, you know, you know, big size on him. So it's like Fuller, he was ready. He came out ready to play. Absolutely. And I like that. I like what I saw with him. Pretty much looked like a pro bowler for sure. So when you look at this uh, this game, obviously – uh, you know, the Giants had very key injuries. You know, Saquon went down. I think it's reported that he tore his ACL. Correct. Tough injury. You hate to see that. He's a hell of a ball player. Saquon, we, you know, definitely hope that you come back healthy soon. We also saw that uh, Sterling Shepard went out of the game with the toe injury. So the right. Giants, they dealt with a lot of injuries there in that game. And then we also had an injury of our own with uh, David Montgomery going out temporarily with a, a neck injury. He had a really awkward fall on his head. For your standpoint, A-Dub, what went well in this game for you? What went well in this game for me on the Bears side of the table is, like I said, it still was a tell of two halves, but what I saw that went very well was that I saw for one half, I saw the offense and the defense clicking on all cylinders. That's hard to see. I'll tell you one thing. The first quarter, they couldn't get a pass in. <laughs> they couldn't make a pass at all. For to the Giants. They had what one passing, what one pass for about five yards. That was actually, um, you know, deferred or cross-examined by the fact that um, Jones got sacked, right? So right. Dan Jones got sacked, which took that back. So it was kind of like offset to zero passing yards. So we had that going on, and then we had good guys get new penetration in there, like with Higgs, Quinn, and Mack who were penetrating very well. Our um, secondary was just batting down every pass that was coming out there. So it was like really. The Giants could muster up any type of scoring drive, really, because we were playing very good defense. And I thought that was going well. And then we all started playing good offense, too. So we had good play run, play calling, good execution from all of our players. So I saw for one quarter, we had a great quarter for sure that I haven't seen in quite a while. And I thought that went very well. But the other thing I will say that went well, too, was the fact that we established a good run game. And I thought that um, looking at Montgomery, he had a pretty good game overall between yep. the first half and second half. I would say I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think when I look at this game and I thought what went well was in that first half, Nagy, outside of those quarterback design runs, which I now I got a second play that I want him to take out of the playbook. So last week, I wanted him to get rid of that jet sweep to A-Rob. So we didn't see that shit today. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Those those quarterback design runs with Mitch, I need him to take that out of the playbook. (laughs) I 100% agree with you because those plays were just – Terrible plays. They didn't do anything for us at all. Nothing. And I'm like, you're going to get this guy hurt. But I would say what I thought went well, and I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. I thought the run game. I thought that offensive line, and you, you've you been a, a firm believer in Juan Castillo. Yes, and sir. I, and I will say this, bro, because when you said that, you know, in our earlier episodes, I was kind of like on the fence about that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a see what happens with this old line. But I'll tell you one thing. The old line has been about, I give them like a C plus. Because in the run game, they have been mauling people, bro. And that's really what I love. They've been getting these guys off the ball. I'm looking at what I'm seeing out of uh, Fetty. I'm looking at what I'm seeing out of James Daniels and mm-hmm. White Hair in the middle of the run game. I mean, if you look at where the running backs are going, they're, us- they're usually running up the middle or off right. And that's really just showing you that those guys, those three guys that I named are having a really big impact. Now, I'm also going to piggyback off the fact that we're still seeing Bobby Massey and Charles Leno to a certain degree not making things happen. And we saw how Massey got beat for a sack there in the first half. I still thought in certain situations with Mitch, I thought in the passing game, 
the offensive line, they let Mitch down because Mitch was under pressure a lot during that first half and most of the second half of that ball game. But because of the fact that Mitch is athletic and he has that ability that he's mobile, he can kind of move around in the pocket. He was able to evade the pressure in a bit, but there were also were a couple of times there where Mitch held onto the ball too long. Right. And he took sacks. No, I, I totally agree with you on that part because um, I saw a mixture of both. I couldn't really see, like, for example, I saw one play where Mitch had some time, but he ended up running to a defender on his own and, took, and got sacked. So I would say it was a combination of the line and also of Mitch. Because you're right, there were time frames where the line didn't always hold up that led to a sack, but there were also times where Mitch may have held the ball too long. Like, for example, I'll give you one example here. There was a pass he could have made to Mooney. He didn't make the pass. He held the ball too long and looking for something else down the field that wasn't there that led to probably an incomplete, that led to a sack on him. So I would say there was a part of where I thought Mitch could have got rid of the ball sooner, which he failed to do so. Yeah, I remember that play too because Mooney flashed across the middle and he was open. And yeah, Mitch, for whatever reason, didn't he didn't find him. So yeah, that was that was really interesting. But I would just say this: that running game, it looked really good. Um, Montgomery, man, he was gashing those guys in the second half of the game. Love to see that. You know how I feel about the running game. Absolutely. One thing that I'm going to ask you about real quick here: we see the Tariq Cohen fresh off of his new three year extension. Respect, props to you, Tariq. You got the bag. However, my issue is not with Tariq, but it's more about the way that he's utilized in this offense, and we still saw it in this game. So you just gave this guy $17 million in new money, but he still, in my, in my opinion, is not being utilized effectively. What do you think when you look at the way that Tariq Cole is being utilized in this offense? You know what? I may have to disagree with you on here, Perez. I don't think he's being utilized the wrong way. I think that uh, we got so many options at this point right now that we're trying to get going. Like, for example, we're trying to get our run game going, right? Cohen's seeing some chances back there. He's also seeing some throws. Uh, Patterson's getting involved. We're seeing him get into the the run game as well. And we also have uh, Montgomery, right, that we want to see get at least 20 carries, but he got around, what, 16 a day. So we're trying to establish so many different things all at the same time. And then the other factor is we haven't even got our tight ends involved as much. So we're still trying to balance out so many different things as a team that we can't really tackle everything all at once. And everyone's not going to shine all like that, stand out very much because the fact, the fact is we're spreading the wealth. So if we're going to do that, no one player is really going to stand out as much as the other in the most case. We may get one guy that rides out of it. Like, for example, today we saw Montgomery, but that's not going to always be the case because we're spreading the wealth. So, you know what, I do, and hey, I respect what you're going from with that, but I think where, where I was coming from with that when it comes to Cohen, I'm just tired of seeing him running up the gut. I mean, this is a guy that's supposed to be a playmaker. How can we can't get him swing routes outside where he can run in, in open space? How can we can't get him lined up as a slot receiver, maybe line him up, you know, outside and, and get him involved in the passing game? Because we saw in that 2018 season, uh, when Cohen was dynamic catching the ball, you know, out of uh, you know, out of that third receiver spot, that to me I thought was where I thought he really shined. So yeah, you're right. Um, Nagy did a really j- good job of in that first half getting carries from Montgomery, getting carries for Cordell Patterson, and also getting carries for Cohen. Right. My issue is though for me, I just think that the way that they use Cohen, I think that we could be a little bit more dynamic, but. I get what you're saying because you definitely do need to share the wealth with this team. That's very important. Absolutely. And that's what happened. Everyone ate in the first half. You look at the first half. Again, the second half was totally different, though. But the, the first half, everyone ate. 
Um, you can look around that, look at the, the receptions that were going across the border. I mean, Montgomery had three. Mooney got three catches. Robinson has, had three catches. Graham had a catch. Williams had two of them. Cohen had one. Uh, commit had one so it's like the wealth is just being spread around really matter of fact Patterson even had two catches so it's like he really was just spreading the wealth around really uh, um, in that game so um, no one guy really um, got a chance to really overshadow the others because of that so but you're right I get you, I get your point with Cohen uh, we're going to probably put some more schemes in, in, uh, in the game down the road but I think in this game here we didn't see a lot of schemes we saw a lot of play action fake play action pass, fake passes yep. um, sorry, fake run and then pass so yep. we saw a lot, a lot of that this game. So I'm glad that um that um Nagy was able to keep it keep it simple. Let's not overanalyze the game here. And um, it worked out very well in the first half with him doing that. I agree, but I just want to see him because my thing is when I look at a guy like Tariq Cohen, you have him on the field, you have a guy like Cordell Patterson on the field. I mean, right. I want I want these guys to scheme and basically utilize these weapons that you have in his office because when I look at it. They have a lot of weapons on this team, and I just don't feel like offensively we should not be scoring only 17 points against a team like the Giants. The Giants are fucking trash. And, I agree. Yeah, and I just think in that situation, A-Dub, I just wanted to see more. I agree. I want to see more too, but um, as you know, um, it could have we probably could have gotten more in the second half because the first half was almost like near flawless pretty much. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but the second half. <laughs> You know, second half, we could have actually had more happening. But as you know, it was a bad first second, I'm sorry, bad second half to where we saw turnovers in that quarter on our behalf and we couldn't sustain no drives and things didn't look too well overall. So it was like we're just trying to hold on to the lead because we just didn't look too good. No, we did not at all. And one other thing, too, I wanted to point out, and I brought this up last week on the pod, Riley Ridley in week one was inactive. He was also inactive again today, but we also saw that Ted Ginn was inactive and he was the free agent acquisition that Pace brought in here. So what do you think that means when you have two guys like that, that are inactive and we have a rookie receiver and your guy, Darnell Moody, how he's out here playing as a rookie and producing, like, what do you, what do you think about that? First of all, let's get something right. His name is no longer Darnell Mooney. What's his, his name? His name is Money Moon. Money <laughs> Moon, huh? Is that, is, is that, is that the name that you appointed him? That's the name I appointed him. <laughs> That's the name I'm giving him. <laughs> and here's the deal. We talked about Mooney. I told us before, right? I said it last week. I said the week before it last. Mooney is getting involved in our offense. And the kid they saw uh, during the three weeks of training, whatever you want to call it, training, you know, training camp, um, he was actually showing a lot of um, passion around learning and growing and getting himself involved, a lot of focus. And they want to get him involved in, you know, in the game. Like, for example, more plays for him, get him involved in that. And it's actually showing on the field, as you can see. I mean, he had a big touchdown. He had three receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown. So uh, the fact is, th- they like this kid. He's a speedster, and he got good hands. And, hey, he looks good out there. So I'm happy. And what that means for the other guys is, like I told you before, they're not going to get as much time because this guy, Mooney, is shown to be a big playmaker. So I definitely agree with you. Uh, I think that nickname could stick. We'll see. We're going to have to throw that out to our Twitter fans to see what they think. But I think A-Dub might be onto something there with that nickname for Darnell. (laughs) (laughs) Money money, (laughs) But I'll say this, bro. That says a lot about the fact that on that play, when Mitch basically was scrambling, you know, trying to make, you know, keep the play alive there, and he pointed over 
to Moody, and Moody made a play on that ball. That's a rookie over there that he gets he had faith to on that 50-50 ball. So for me, when I see that, I'm like, wow, he must have really gained respect to the quarterback for Mitch to depend on him in that situation. And that shows that shows growth too. Trust and growth. No, absolutely there. So that was that was key. Now I will turn it over to you real quick on somebody that I was really disappointed to in this game. There was a couple guys, but I'm going to point my finger at one in particular. So Anthony Miller was a hero in week one. He basically stepped up there in that fourth quarter, made a, you know, a hell of a catch. But in today's game, Anthony Miller dropped a would-be touchdown. Yes. He also dropped another catch that should have been a first down. Anthony Miller has been very inconsistent, in my opinion, as a, as a Chicago Bear. He showed flashes, but he's also shown a propensity to run the wrong routes and to not be in the places where he should be. So I'm going to kick this over to you real quick, A-Dub. When you look at Anthony Miller, what did you think about his performance today? And, and what do you think about him? Because he was somebody that we highlighted as our breakout player for 2020. What are you thinking about A-Miller? A. He was non-existent today. I mean, the guy had three targets, okay? And that, you're right, Mitch made a great pass towards him um, that he dropped. And I was so disappointed in Miller. You catch a great pass last week. Matter of fact, he, he caught a couple of great ones last week that we didn't think you could get. And then you come in today and you're non-existent out there. Um, I'm concerned. I really am because I think a guy like him has to be consistent, not just you know, uh, Robinson, I think he has to be as well to make everything work out well for the, the entire team. Because, I mean, we look at those pieces. And for him to have this kind of a game today, to be non-existent, that bothers me because I, I have a high expectation for him as well. And he cannot come out here and perform that way next game. You're totally right about that. And I'll say this too, man. He ran really good routes out there, but it's not about running good routes. you got to finish. And right. the thing that I saw there is he just didn't finish. Not catching the ball. Not helping your quarterback out in, in situations like that where we needed him. And I'll just be honest with you. I love Allen Robinson. You know how I feel about him. The Bears have to do what's right behind him. But he did not show me that he was a $20 million a year player today. What did you think about that? And what do you think about A-Rob the way he played today? Because I thought him and Anthony Miller, they let down Mitch today. They did. And matter of fact, you, gotta, you want to ask about where those two interceptions came at. Both of those interceptions came because uh, Mitch targeted uh, Allen, you know, Robinson. Robinson actually had one near the, the sideline, right, where the guy took it out of his hands. Bradbury, yep. Yep, took it out of his hands, yep. And then there was one down the middle that got tipped, right, um, in the air. But again, it was still being targeted to Robinson. At the end of the day, I am disappointed with him not really um, shining as much as he could have today because I thought he would be the one with this whole thing with his contract, right? It's time to shine. And um, I didn't see that today. I mean, he had, what, three catches for 33 yards, and he had nine targets. So it's like, Mitch is looking for you. It's not like he's going away. He wants you to get your money, but you got to make it worth it. On that one play where uh, Bradbury took it from him, that's a 50-50 ball. And I'll say this, as a a number one receiver, you got to come up with that because Bradbury had his back turned to that whole play. He didn't even see the ball. So when a play like that, A-Rob, you got to make that play. And and listen, listeners, I am not trying to come at you guys with any A-Rob slander, but we're going to keep it 100 on this fucking podcast. And I'm going to tell you this. I need to see more out of A-Rob. That's it. He should still get his extension. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I'm just going to tell you today, 
he didn't do himself any favors after the week that he had with stripping down his uh, social media, uh, you know, pages and taking all the bare stuff off and making everything about his contract negotiations. You have to come out and have to kill it on the field after you do all that. And that did not happen today. Right. It did not happen. And um, he got to take a little ownership. I understand Mitch made a few bad throws to him. I, I'll even throw it in there. But one thing I will say on that pass that was to the sideline that got intercepted, you got to have this mindset as a wide receiver. If I can't get it, he can't get it. Period. That's right. That's right. Take it away. Knock it away. Right? Exactly. Because on the one play that you mentioned, too, where, and I thought that on one pick, I thought it was uh, was A-Rob's fault, but on the other pick, I thought it was more of Mitch's fault because he forced the ball in there. However, like you said, A-Rob could have came back to that ball a little bit, just the way I saw it. Yeah, and everything's not going to be directly passed right exactly on the money, on the market, but if you can make a play on it, or well, at least try, right? And don't, don't just sit there and watch it. Um, do something. And again, I'm not saying you're going to be an expert, but at least show the effort. And I think that's why I needed more of, of that around that, around um, A-Rob. So, he knows. He knows better. He knows next week he got to you know step his game up, and I think he will. Exactly. Uh, one area that I wanted to point out to our listeners, and, and something that I just kind of felt a little, a little unhappy with when it came to this game was that first half. We're up seventeen zero. Now, one thing, a dub, real quick that I wanted to point out to you, and I talked to you about this off podcast. I don't like how at the end of halves. This team goes into that prevent defense and it gets real soft and they do that bend but not break bullshit. Right. I am, <laughs> I am sick of that, bro. Like, stop doing that shit. Chuck Pagano, stop doing that, bro. Like, keep your foot on the gas on defense. You know, a lot of our fans in the past, Bears fans, had a lot of shit to say about Vic Fangio. But I'll tell you one thing. When Vic Fangio was our defensive coordinator, we were a defensive juggernaut. We had turnovers. You know, the guys were making plays out there. And I always thought, and some people thought, oh, well, Vic's like a little conservative, this or that. Well, guess what? If you guys thought that Vic was conservative, what the fuck is it that we're watching here with with, uh, with Pagano? I just don't, I don't know. Let me tell you about this here. When I see Pagano, this is two weeks in a row. This three-man rush is killing us. Yep. Let's stop doing that. Because the thing is, there's no pressure on the quarterback when we do this three-man rush. Allow these quarterbacks to sit back there and pick us apart. I'm not saying they get a whole bunch of yards, but they get enough to where it matters. It counts. So we need to start continue, we need to continue our pressure and let the chips fall where they're gonna fall. <laughs> I rather do it that way because we saw a lot of things working out well for us when we did add pressure. When we don't do it, it goes in the opposite direction, and these guys are chewing up clock and they're also making good plays by doing that. Well, yeah, because we saw Daniel Jones is who we thought he was in that first half. He's a chunk. Correct. He's soft. He's he's not a good quarterback. But in that second half of the game, we, as you mentioned, when we went to that three man front, he had all the time in the world to throw the ball, and he was out there fighting. He was he was he was keying in on Evan Ingram, and that was somebody that you pointed out in the last episode. We did our key matchups of the, of the game, and you were right about that. And that was somebody that Jones was really looking for because he didn't have Saquon and he didn't have Shepard out there. Right, and you know what? It could have been a lot worse had they had more time. I'm glad there's only fourth quarters, right? <laughs> but you're right. Ingle, what he get was six receptions, 65 yards. So, yeah, he's being targeted out there. I mean, he got eight targets. Uh, he was making some plays for them. And a lot of this stuff came pretty much in the second, third, and fourth quarter, really. Uh, it was when they was really making a lot of plays because, um, like you said, the first half, a lot didn't go on from that standpoint for the Giants. But second half, they, they were able to chew up a lot of clock, you know, uh, get a lot of passing plays in there. 
So, uh, you know, it looks like Jones had a decent game, which he really didn't. But uh, most of that was done in the second half, most of his damage. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, man. I just think that when I think of this Bears defense right now, I just think that they're very vanilla. And we know when we look at the type of players that they have on that defense, we got some boys on that defense. But when we look at what's going on out there right now, again, as you mentioned, tale of two halves. We got to get these guys playing like they're boys for fucking four quarters of a ball game. Absolutely. Another area that I wanted to bring up here when we look at this at this ball game is the fact that, okay, the Bears, 17 points scored in that first, uh, first half. But the second half ain't up, we scored nothing. Nothing at all. It was terrible. Yeah, it was bad. And so when we look at that second half of the ball game, I was going to say this to you. Nagy has shown uh, in the fact in his time being a head coach for this ball team, this ball club, he does not know how to coach when he has the lead. They get super conservative defensively and then offensively, his play calling just kind of just goes real weird. Now, towards the end of that ball game, one thing that I want to bring up to our listeners, when we were driving that ball and we had the ball third and one, and Nagy called the, a pass play. Right. What the fuck was that? And then he follows it up, and he calls another pass play on fourth and one. You had David Montgomery at that point that was dealing. He was gashing these dudes. The offensive line was gashing. They were getting people off the field. They were getting those guys off the ball. What are we doing? Nagy, you have to be consistent. And I think where you're going with this part was where he, that three and one pass that was incomplete and was batted down. And then that fourth and one is where uh, Massey caught it, right? That's what yeah. you're referring to. That's what I'm referring to. I will say this. <laughs> Mitch has been lucky. <laughs> I'm being 100. You know, last week he got lucky on the play, right? That could have been intercepted. And this time he got lucky. And who catches it? Massey catches the ball. Wow. That's luck. Pure luck right there. And um, for some reason, I guess the, uh, the, the football guys want to see Mitch continue to be in the starting rotation. <laughs> so I'll roll with <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you this, A-Dub, that's the only time that, that Massey's ever going to get a, a kudos on this show because, bro, he was fucking terrible out there at pass, bro. Yeah, he was. And um, I think he knows all eyes are on him as well. So he got to step his game up. But I think he knows everyone is watching him. And it's important that our offensive line, like you, like you and I talked about over the course of the weeks, that our offensive line improve. So there's a lot of eyes, a lot of attention on all those guys on the line. But for sure, there's attention on him. Another area that I want to touch on, and we talked about this on the episode that we did with Buzz, is that kicking position. Now, we see that we did drive the ball down the field, and we lined up for a 50-yard field goal, and Cairo Santos missed the 50-yarder. Not only did he miss it, that shit was bad. It was badly missed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to say this, bro. It's been three years. And this is, and this Brian Pace, I'm about to come for you real quick. We're not even going to get into the quarterback situations that we've talked about on this podcast before. We're talking about a kicker, bro. How do we not have this position shored up? We should have been in that situation in that ball game today. We should have had a kicker that we could have put out there that could have made a kick so that way, at the end of that game, I don't have to have a heart attack and I don't have to worry about getting my life insurance policy upgraded tomorrow, which I'm going to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, A-Dub, what did you think about that situation? You know, a 50-yard field goal is something you expect. I mean, it's a, it's a tough kick for a lot of kickers, I will say. But you're looking for uh, to have a kicker who's able to make it. And with this whole thing with him and Panero, the back and forth, who's going to be our kicker? You ask me, Panero's still hurt right now. 
we don't really have a true kicker that we can say we can trust. I mean, he made a 34-yard field goal. Um, that was good. That was a much better, easier field goal attempt than the 50-yard. But we really don't have a, a, a kicker that we can say, you know what, this is going to be our kicker for the future. We don't have that. We need to figure out that position, like you said, um, going forward. I thought we had we have had to figure it out by now, but apparently we still don't. <laughs> because, again, Panero, again, back hurt, still on the injury list, and haven't heard anything new about where he's at with that. Is he coming back next week? We don't know. So um, that's still going to be a challenge for the Bears down the road until they decide to make a move either on both or make a decision with getting someone else, you know, um, from another team. Either way it go, we've got to make a decision around what we're going to do with, kicker, with a kicker. Yeah, man, because that's a key point because uh, with the way that the IR spot works, Panero would be available to come back next week. But right. we also still don't know what's going on with him because – He's dealt with a lot of nagging injuries at his time as the kicker. Last year, he missed time with the Absolutely. knee injury, and now this year with the growing injury. We need to get this position shored up. If we're going to be a team that's going to contend this NFC North, we can't worry about a kicker not being able to hit a 50-yard field goal. And a matter of fact, in good weather at that, it was good weather out here. Right. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen in December with that Hawks out there, bro? Exactly. Now we're gonna have to worry that, and I'm quite sure Nagy thinking like you and I thinking. I don't think he's gonna be having that, those guys kicking that in that kind of weather. At least Santos won't be the guy kicking in in, in that kind of weather condition. We'll most likely have to get him close to somewhere around a 30 yard line if he's gonna be the guy for us to kick those type of field goals. Because I think after that, anything behind 30 after 35, 40 yards, after 40 yards, we can't have this guy kicking. No, we can't have that at all. Uh, before we get into awarding uh, game balls for our offensive and defensive players of the game, do you have any other reactions to this to this ball game, a You know, I do have one other reaction to this game. I know we were ahead 13 to 17. I thought when we got the ball with um, 7.43 to play, I thought I saw some good things from Nagy in regards to milking the run. Some very good runs from Montgomery in the fourth quarter. Did I, did I say, you know what? I see your point. We were saying that maybe we can get this guy 20 rush attempts. I see why, because he made some big plays in that fourth quarter that kept the clock going. And uh, that one play where we had a, um, a penalty, right? We were like first and 25, and he burst off for 23 yards. Yep. It was like we saw some big plays. So I will say uh, in that fourth quarter, I like what I saw from Montgomery. I'll tell you, those are some grown man runs too, because he was putting his helmet into people. He was running straight forward. And that's how you know that we have a number one ball carrier when it comes to him. But one of the things when I think of uh, uh, Montgomery, so he went down in that first half with the injury, but he came back later in the game. This is the reason why you and I both spoke about the fact that we need to pick up a running back for this team. I love what Cordell Patterson does as a gadget player. Tariq Cohen is a gadget player. Ryan Nall, no disrespect to you, but you're just a player. We need somebody that if Montgomery goes down, if he's back there, we could give him the rock. Correct. Because I did see with um, Patterson, Patterson's the guy who wants to just take it and go on an angle, right? Patterson wants to get to the outside. He's yep. not a guy that's going to turn to the field when he first see a gap open. He's going to keep pulling, pulling until he gets to the outside. And a lot of those plays don't work all the time. And I saw that with him when he was running the football, that he wasn't looking to turn up the field and just go when he saw those holes open. So I am worried about him, um, Patterson, being back there. I think he's only good for schemes, in my opinion, but that's another story for another day. No, and you're totally right about that because the thing about it is if you line that guy up uh, in that backfield and you get him outside and you get him in open space, he's going to be dynamic. 
we're expecting that he's going to be able to tilt the rock 20 times a game and run that thing like David Montgomery. I don't think that we're going to see the results. I mean, he averaged 3.6 uh, yards per carry in the game today. You know, not the worst, but my thing was we missed Montgomery when he was out of the game, and I was so glad to see him come, in, come back in that ball game in the second half. Absolutely. Me too. One of the things that I wanted to touch on here, and my takeaway in this ball game, mostly came in the late game play calling. Uh, I just think that we need to make a lot of improvements where that comes from. The run game I thought was solid. Nagy has to learn how to coach when he has the lead. I thought that Mitch was improved uh, from his play from a year ago. I still think that Mitch has a lot of things that he has to work on. However, I think that the thing that I really like about Mitch is Mitch is making a lot of progress in that pocket. You see that he's going through his reads and his progressions. He still is keying on A-Rob a little bit. I think that he needs to clean that part up. But if you see his eyes, his eyes are moving around the field. And that goes to show you that this is a quarterback that's starting to get it. He's starting to understand. And maybe he's starting to understand how to read defenses. I don't know how you feel about that. But for me, those are some of the things that I've been really encouraged about when I've been watching this team play. And I will say this. Mitch had an uneven second half of the game. But I don't blame that on him. I thought his receivers didn't do him any justice there. And I thought that that tale of two halves, Mitch was awesome in the first half, kind of pedestrian in the second half, but I thought that his receivers could have done a better job of helping him out a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I will pick you back on one part you shared around uh, Mitch and um, where he was going with those throws. Mitch was actually killing those guys, killing Detroit's defense by hitting that middle. I mean, he was murdering the middle of that field. So I got to give Mitch a lot of props. I do, man, because I was like, he was like 13 for 18 in the first half. Most oh, yeah. Our fans know that. Oh, um, yeah. Had like 139, what, passing rate at that time frame? Yeah, he was um, killing. He was killing. He was killing, man. So 13 for 18, and you were killing that middle of the field. And I was like, yeah, he, this guy got it going on today. He's cooking. So let him continue to cook um, that <laughs> way. <laughs> but the second half didn't go like that, but we'll, we'll clean it up um, for, the next, for the next game for sure. We have to. Yeah, we definitely have to. And the only other thing, too, I wanted to point out, Khalil Mack. We got a Khalil Mack signing signing out there today. So Khalil Mack got his first sack of the season. Uh, I don't understand how in any game plan a team goes and they unblock Khalil Mack. So we saw that he got a sack in that play where he was untouched. When a guy that good, I'm sorry, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They know they made a mistake on that. I think the Giants went back and said, "Uh uh-oh, we can't make this mistake again. (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. And then on on the Robert Quinn play where Robert Quinn had the strip, Khalil Mack picked it up. So we saw that Khalil Mack in this ball game was very disruptive. Uh, he made a lot of plays in that pass game. He was basically getting into the backfield. He was chasing Daniel Jones out of the pocket. So that was encouraging to see. And I definitely hope that we can see a lot more of that going forward. Yeah, the thing is, his numbers don't tell his value, right? And that's one thing I always tell people, don't get so stat happy. Yep. Um, sometimes stats don't tell you the whole true value. I mean, yep. you had what? If you think about Mack, he had three tackles. Um, two solos and one sack. But with that, like you said, the pressure he was put on the quarterback, he had Danny Jones out there running. <laughs> yep. 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 So, but again, he didn't get the results, right, as far as him being the recipient of the um, you know, uh, statistics. But the fact he's putting that pressure on there, um, it showed that it allowed other people to make plays. And I want to thank Mac for that. So I don't want anyone to say that Mac had a bad game. He actually had a pretty good game. It's just the fact that others ate off that. Yeah, and when is he going to earn a holding call? I'm so sick and tired of seeing Khalil Mack being fucking mauled 
it's one thing. I get offensive linemen. You guys are going to have your advantages where you'll probably get a subtle hold and the guy needs to make a play. But Khalil Mack is damn near getting tackled, and he can't get a holding call. Like, right. I wonder if the Bears, do they send tape into the league and say, can you guys take a look at this? Why aren't your officials giving him holding calls? You know what? I will say this. I don't think Mack has even complained. All Mack has said, even from last week to this week, is I got to play better. So Mack is one of those guys who's not even paying attention to that stuff, you know, because of the kind of player that he is. And, I, I, of course, we can expect that from a guy like him. But we see as viewers, we can see that he's getting held. And um, at some point, I think Nagy's probably going to have to say something if it's going to continue at this rate. Yeah, not even Nagy, but they're going to have to send something into the league because this shit's getting out of control. It's, 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 it's to the point for me where I'm like, you're going to have some idiot fans out here that are going to say, oh, Khalil Mack, he's overpaid. He doesn't do anything, and they don't understand football. They don't understand right. that these teams have to game plan against him. So when he's getting double, triple team, that's opening up for Hakeem Hicks to make plays. That's opening up for Robert Quinn to make plays, right? And right. I think that that's the thing that we have to make sure that we're paying attention to as fans when we're watching these games. I 100% agree with that. I totally agree. Now, I want to get into, so we talked about Anthony Miller briefly earlier in this, in this episode about how he needed to step up. There's another guy on this team that I'm wondering what's going on with him. Hey, Dub, what's going on with your boy, Danny Trevathan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I knew his name was coming at some point, And I picked on him last week. It is the same thing this week. Um, when they put him in the passing um, position to chase down these running backs, he cannot keep up. Like no. I said, he doesn't have the vision to beat these guys to the play, right? And as you can see, he's always one step behind. So he gets lost out there. And um, I'm wondering if he's saying the same thing that we can see to say, hey, look, do you anticipate these plays happening? Can you get there? Can you read? And I wonder about his reads on some of those plays. Well, and that's a good point. But also, not only the reads, but it's just like a flat out, he just looks washed. It's like, what happened to your athleticism? What happened to your speed? Because I don't remember him being like that last year. This is the fact that I feel like I miss this Kwiatkowski, Nick Kwiatkowski, because I'm like, Nick Kwiatkowski, he came up big last year when he replaced Danny T. And Last year when the, the Bears, when they resigned uh, Danny Trevathan, I loved the move at the time because I said, you know what? He brings that veteran leadership to the table. Obviously, those those guys on that defense, they rally around him. And I was like, man, he plays with a lot of edge. But I haven't seen anything out of him to out of the, him out of the season. And guess what? He had one tackle today. Two totals. I think he had to help someone else out with a tackle as well. Yep. Also, for our listeners... And I don't know if you guys peeped this, but Deion Bush came in on some Thursdays downs in coverage, and he made a pick there in that first half. He came in to replace Danny Trevathan. So that shows you all you need to know about how Danny has fallen off a bit. And so, A-Dub, I just don't know how you felt about that or if you like the fact that they did make that adjustment with bringing Deion Bush in. But what do you think about that situation with Danny Trevathan as, as we go further into the season? Uh, as we look at him, man, all eyes on Trevathan uh, moving forward because we had a look at his play, and we're seeing that now that teams are going to start picking on him, he got to step his game up. But I will say um, I got to give Eddie Jackson some props because Eddie Jackson kind of saw that and started stepping up to tr- actually help coverage, helping coverage stop some of those run plays because Trevathan wasn't quite there. And that's what you do, right? When you see a guy getting beat, you kind of shift your safeties over a little bit to help out. And I saw that um, Jackson was, um, you know, uh, paying close attention to how those how um, the Giants were playing, and I think he helped us out in certain key moments. So 
So you're right, but Trevathan's on our list, man. He's on the list. Uh, he has to play better for sure. And he was my concern coming into the season. I said our linebackers got to play better. Um, he hasn't you played did. better at all. You did. You did say that. And I'll say this. That's why Eddie Jackson's uh, the highest paid safety in the league because he made some plays out there today that just reminded you of why he's the way he was, uh, why he's rated the way he was. He was robbed on that pick six. Uh, and I just think that I thought that pass interference call was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good play, though. But uh, it, it, it was a it, it really was a, a pass interference on him, though. I, I got to say that. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It was a bang bang play. It was a bang bang play. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, a lot of a lot of people get away with it, but they didn't let our guy get away with that one. They did not at all, at all. So. Hey, Doug, when you, when you look at this ball game, who was your uh, who do you give your game ball to on the offensive side of the, of, the, uh, of the field? On the offensive side, you already knew I gave it to the offensive side. Let's not go there. My, <laughs> guy, my guy, Montgomery, let's give it to him. And um, Montgomery actually had a very good um, game overall. I mean, rushing yards, passing yards. So I actually gave it to him because he did get a touchdown, right? Um, big time touchdown. He, he got... Um, when I one play for like 20 plus yards, uh, I thought that was very good for him. Um, he also had around what 70 some rush yards, I believe. I'm sorry, I think it was about what 80 plus rush yards. Yeah, he had, yards. he had over 80. Yep. 82, yeah, 82 yards of rush, 16 carries, three receptions, 45 yards, and one TD. And he had some nice little plays, like I said, in the fourth quarter down the stretch where he got the rushing for what 10 yards for a first down, rushed again for 11 yards, vice versa, whatever, 10 yards first, I'm sorry, 11 yards the first time. 10 yards the second time, and then on that 25-yard um, penalty, had his first and 25. He burst off for 23 yards. So I was like, this guy, we can really much give him the ball. He can eat. So uh, with that, I'm going to give him the game um, as, to me, the best player in that game offensively. Okay. I also give uh, David Montgomery my game ball. When he went down with that injury in the first half, bro, I was like, oh, fuck, this is not looking good. But props to him for getting back out there because I thought at least for the most part, I was like, when I saw him walk back off the field, I said, well, maybe he's concussed. He'll be out for the game, but we'll see what happens for next week. But the kid came back out there and he played, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And so you brought up a good point. So he had 82 yards rushing on 16 carries. But one of the things that I want our listeners to realize, not only did he lead our team in rushing today, he led our team in receiving yards as well. That's key. And I want you guys to realize he had 45 yards receiving in this ball game. And that's important to take note of. Also, Montgomery ran the ball with a lot of aggression. He ran with his trademark, basic way of being able to run through contact, which I thought was very, very important, right? And the thing that they talked about Montgomery when he was drafted by the Bears is that he has this vision. And he showed a really impressive vision there when he was cutting back and making those plays in the running game. So I was really impressed with him. And I'll tell you this, A-Dub, our offense, as all of our listeners probably realized, was really brutal in that second half. But those clutch runs by Montgomery in that fourth quarter sealed the game for us. And I'll tell you, if it weren't for him, we probably would have scored at that game. Yeah, because he made some, I mean, he extended those plays by, you know, uh, picking up those yards. And let's also keep in mind that he actually had, what, 5.1 um, yards a carry on the yep. average. So yep. that's a good, that's very good. Oh, hell yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he did extend those plays in the fourth quarter that allowed us to continue to milk some of that clock. Because um, as you know, uh, we really wasn't 
controlling the um, the game with possession-wise after our turnovers. That was most of the Giants. So that one possession there, we had to chew up some on that clock. And I think Montgomery did a great job uh, rushing through, uh, running hard to extend those uh, to extend those drives. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So who do you give your game ball to on the defensive side of the field? Defensive side, I could have went two places, right? I know you're probably looking at Eddie Jackson. I looked at him. Eddie Jackson had a good game. Um, the fact he had, what, seven um, tackles, um, solo tackles, eight to get all together. Um, I also looked at um, Roquan Smith. He also had about um, seven tackles. And you know what? I gave the game ball from the defensive side of the table to Roquan Smith. Okay. Because you know what? I've been high on those guys of getting better uh, for this coming season. I've been talking about the linebackers. And I'll tell you, Roquan stepped his game up because a lot of those rush yards that um, the Giants was trying to get, Roquan was shooting those gaps and saying, no, no, not today. That's right. Not today. That's right. Like going down like this. You know, so I got to give all the props, man. Uh, Roquan stepped this game up, man. Um, he showed he showed out today. So um, I hope he can, t- can continue that next game. But I got to get a game ball to him, man, to me. I'll tell you this. He made some really key stops on third downs. I mean, those running backs, he was basically, like you said, not only was he shooting those gaps, but he was making really good tackles in space on those running backs. And Absolutely. So you're definitely right. I think that our fans – they need to put a little bit more respect on Roquan Smith's name because I know sometimes, you know, you guys joke about him being a little quirky guy. He posted a picture of himself smelling like a sunflower on Twitter and everybody went to clown him about it. But guess what? This dude's a ball player, and I love that he's on our team. Roquan, you were the man today. Yes, sir. Uh, so for mine, I I, I I got my boy Bojack. And okay. <laughs> I was going to start off by saying I still disagree with my boy A-Dub. I still love you. Um, That should have been a pick six. I thought that that was not a pass interference. That's not me being a homer for our listeners. And if you guys think so, that's fine. Whatever. But (laughs) (laughs) Bojack, that should have been a pick six. But the fact that you brought up a really incredible point earlier where you talked about the fact that he was overcompensated for the fact that he saw that there were some issues that were going on with the linebacker area with coverage. And he not only and you noticed there was a lot of plays where Eddie Jackson was right there. And I feel like he was cheating up because he knew, okay, I got to be here to make sure that these guys don't leak out. Right. Correct. I thought that that was really important. The seven seven tackles that he made and and seven solo tackles he made, the one assisted tackle. That was great. But it was the other stuff that I saw from Eddie Jackson. He just seemed like he flashed and he made that play at the end of the game where basically, even though Golden Tate pushed off, Golden Tate, stop it. But he right. pushed off, you know, but but Eddie Jackson was still right there to deflect the ball at the end of the game. But that was my uh, my uh, defensive, uh, to me, player of the game. Look, it was between those two with me as I shared, hey, look, I saw who Jackson was doing. Um, I saw Roquan. Um, but, yeah, it was between. It was a toss between both of those guys. I went Roquan today. But you got Eddie Jackson. I'm not mad at that. You got Jackson. That's right. Well, A-Dub, I want to hit you with some of our fan reactions here. So our, we have some awesome Twitter followers, and I want to just basically give a shout-out to some to a few of them that had really good takes on the game. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought about some of the, the feedback that we got here on our, on our Twitter page. So <laughs> we had a guy, Aaron. He's at, at RollTide underscore 25, which I almost threw up on my mouth even saying RollTide, Aaron. No disrespect to you, but, eh, whatever. But – what Aaron said was, all the Bears fans that said AR doesn't need an extension, 
because let's wait and see what what Anthony Miller does. Now, I would say this. Anthony Miller, as we both brought up, he did not show out like he needed to do today. And you and I both thought that that A-Rob still deserved his his extension. But what do you think about that that feedback there from that fan? Because I thought that that was a really telling tweet. No, that's a good tweet because you know what? Maybe he's not the only one that's thinking like that. Maybe that's how Pace thinking. Hey, let's see what Miller does. Well, Pace, I hope you got your answer today because we're seeing the Miller of last year in a way where he comes out one game and looks great, another game doesn't look too good. Now, I want Miller to be consistent. I really do. But right now, I just don't see the consistency out of these two games, which is the early. It's early, right? Only two games we've seen so far. But right now, I'm looking at overall these two games and looking at last year. This tells me that we need A-Rob. So I do understand we want to see what Miller can do, but it's showing right now with these two games that maybe we need to just make sure we keep uh, A-Rob on the team, um, like you said, for that um, for safety net, <laughs> for safety net, because they should go with somebody. And um, yeah. right now, Miller doesn't look like he's ready. Yeah, and especially because Mitch seems to look at A-Rob's direction a lot. So, no, I definitely agree with you 100% on that one. Uh, we had another one that was really awesome from the Collins way, and he said, we need Eddie Goldman so bad. And so when I thought about that one, I said, man, that's a really good tweet there because no one talks about the fact that Eddie Goldman not being there in that middle of the defense. Yeah, you know what? Um, we didn't realize Eddie Goldman's value up until now, really. I think that's what we're starting to see. Like, well, that guy really is. And we're also looking at Trebate, right, how he's playing. And we're like, hold on, Goldman really was very good for us. And maybe we let the wrong guy go. Because, again, with that, we had to sign. Of course, we got Quinn. We did that um, the offseason. So it was like we're spending money there. Well, hey, Dub, real quick, I want to – so you realize that uh, Goldman, he he uh, decided to sit out the season because of COVID, just to make sure you you remember that part. Oh, right. Oh, you know what? You're right about that. Right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry <laughs> no, about that. Good. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> good point. Yeah, but we also – like you said, we are realizing his value. Really are realizing what he's bringing to the t- – what he brought to the table. But without him – uh, we're seeing that we're actually struggling in some areas. So I think with having him, uh, it really will make things look a little bit different for us uh, if we had him out there playing for us. But like I said, he's not here because of the COVID thing. I totally get it. But right now, we're really showing that we can use him. We really are. Yep. And I'll say this too. Uh, no disrespect to you, Bilal Nichols, because Bilal Nichols, is he's solid. But you know Eddie Goldman, because Eddie Goldman can take those double teams on. He's a really awesome player against the run. And we're showing that we're struggling to stop the run. I mean, Saquon Barkley, if he would have not gotten hurt and torn his ACL in that ballgame today, I think that that would have been a wholly, totally different uh, result for us today. Oh, yeah, it would have been had he not been there. You know, uh, had he been there. But I'm kind of glad in a way. I'm not. I'm never happy for someone getting hurt. But what it did show was that, you know what, that guy is an all-American player. Even though we held him to some yards, right, to, to less yards these customers are getting. But we do understand his value to that team. If with him out there, they look totally strong and tough to beat. No kidding. And that's why I was coming from Pagano the way I was, A-Dub, because I'm looking at it like this. You had a wounded, basically, team out there. And that's when you got to take a team like that and put them out of their misery. And we did not do that. We let that team lay around and hang in there. And in the NFL, if you do that to a team, what you see is, is what happened in that fourth quarter where they had a chance to win the game. We cannot do that with these teams. You cannot play around with these teams in the NFL. No, you cannot. And if you let them hang around, man, they can catch momentum and they can make some things happen. So we got to be very careful with that. We're allowing teams, teams to get momentum. That's exactly right. 
The last uh, fan reaction that we have, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this is what a fan said to us in the first half. Uh, True Biscuits and Gravy. He, he's, a, he's a really good follow. He says his first half thoughts. Mitch is playing well, confident, staying patient, making plays. A full four quarters of this level of play can go a long way, confidence-wise, for this team. Well, you brought up earlier in this pod the fact that it's been a tale of two halves. So what do you think when you see that type of feedback? Because a lot of fans probably felt the same way that he felt in the sense that Mitch played a really strong first half. We were probably all feeling pretty proud of things, and then we saw what happened at the end of that game. What did what'd you think about that tweet? Yeah, that's a good tweet there because you never know, really. you got to wait it out and see how the whole game is going to go. Uh, we saw last game was a tell of two halves, and we saw again this game a tell of two halves. So um, one thing we're noticing so far is that when Mitch gets hot, he gets hot. When he goes cold, he can go a little cold, you know? So um, we got to keep our eyes out on the entire game uh, for Mitch. We congratulate him for having a good half. We also got to say, you know what, let's keep it going. So we can't, you know, get too comfortable with just seeing a guy play well for one or two quarters and think that's it. So we got to make sure that, hey, he has to put together a, a, a good second half. We got to also put the guys in position to help him out. And I thought in the second half, it wasn't just Mitch's fault. We saw others making some mistakes too. You're totally right about that. And I would just say this. I still, when I look at Mitch, I see a quarterback that, well, Nick Foles doesn't necessarily move the needle, but you see a guy that basically realizes that this is his last shot here as a starter quarterback, not only for the Bears, but probably in the National Football League. So we're seeing a guy that's taking, you know, the necessary adjustments to his game. So Mitch, in that first half, man, I thought, like you brought up, his numbers, awesome. Second half of the game, I thought play calling did him in. I also thought that his receivers did him in. And we have to really step this up because we're not going to be playing many more New York Giant-level teams or Detroit Lion-level teams. We have to really pick this up. Now, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here on this podcast. We are 2-0. We're tied for first in, in the NFC North with the Packers. But let's just be honest, guys. No one can really feel confident about where this team is right now based on what we've seen. I don't know what you think about that, A-Dub, but I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of things that I look at this this, this team and I'm like, damn, there's a lot of areas that we need to fix and clean up ASAP. Oh, I totally agree with you. Uh, we don't look ready, man, for um, a guys who are playing very well like now, like Green Bay, they're playing very well right now. Um, I don't think we're ready for them yet. I'm glad we're still looking at our team and trying to brush up on some things that we're doing wrong because there's a lot of opportunity for us. You're right, we do. We still got to clean up a little bit on our line. Right, they're, they're looking better than they have in the past, but we still got to get better going forward. Our defense got to get better going forward. So uh, we we know it's in that we got to get certain guys involved, like our tight ends. They weren't involved much again this game. So um, and then our wide receivers, you know, didn't didn't look great this game either. So as you can see, there there's some way we, some things we need to clean up uh, in our passing game. And I think uh, for the next game, that's something that Nagy should be taking note on. So we shouldn't get comfortable with where we are right now, being two and zero. We still have a lot, a lot of growing to do. Let's just be honest. This team is basically a drop pass in the end zone and a couple last-second deflected passes from being 0-2 right now. A win is a win, but let's just understand, we got to clean this stuff up. Absolutely. And I saw two plays on the field that shows a lot of luck for us. Like I said, Massey getting a catch. (laughs) 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 And we saw last week where the running back for Detroit, uh, Lions, Lions missed a catch in the end zone. So it's like, Look, we got lucky. Definitely, definitely got lucky. Uh, and also, too, 
I still hold on to this fact that if uh, if Saquon Barkley didn't get injured in that game, I just think it, it could have been a whole total different outcome for us. So when I look at A-Dub and areas for this team needs to improve upon, we need to play consistent football. If we get out into a lead in the first quarter, first half of a ball game, we got to put teams away. We didn't do that today. And this has been a microcosm of things that we've seen under Nagy being a head coach's ball team. We have to learn how to put these teams away defensively. Pagano, he's got to cut it out with the conservative bullshit because that game plan that they did today where they went really uh, vanilla, started going prevent, we, we're way better of a defense than what he allows those guys to do. You got playmakers. Let those guys loose. Let those guys play ball. Absolutely. And I said this here a couple of weeks ago. You and I talked about this. I said, Chuck Pagano, I'm still with Chuck Strong. I'm still with that. But Chuck got to do a better job with his defensive schemes. This playing his zone thing is not working. Let these guys loose. Put some pressure. I don't care. Blitz. Do some things. Look, I want these quarterbacks to understand that our defense is coming. And I want them to be, <laughs> you know, I want them to understand that. That it's going to be this way all night long um, or all day for that matter. But we got to do a better job around that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, let's uh, let's let's switch gears over to our week three uh, breakdown against the Atlanta Falcons. So we see that the Atlanta Falcons, they were up big on the Cowboys today, but they allowed the Cowboys to come back and beat them uh, late in the ballgame. So, A-Dub, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is going to be our key to beating the Falcons next week? To beat the Falcons, we've got to do one thing. Our defense is, of course, going to have to show up. Here's the deal. ATL likes to pass the ball. I mean, Matt Ryan, what he threw for, what, 273 yards today, four touchdowns. Week one, he threw 54 um, uh, passes, pass attempts for 450 yards. He was 37 for 54, um, 450 yards, two TDs. I mean, Julio Jones had nine receptions week one, 157 yards. Uh, Ridley had nine receptions for 130 yards in week one. Russell K had what? Gage had what? Nine receptions for 119 yards. That was week one. Uh, He loves to air it out. And week two, um, looks like Julio Jones didn't have a good game. He had, what, two receptions for 24 yards. Uh, but Kevin really had 109 yards for two touchdowns. So um, it looks like, again, Ryan loves to uh, utilize his receivers. And he has two pretty good studs out there. We're going to have to slow those guys down. That means our secondary has their hands full right now. And I'm talking about, you know, uh, of course, uh, Johnson, our rookie, going to have his hands full. Um, so we got to gotta think about that, you know, um, that, hey, Fuller, you're going to have your hands full. You got to be ready for these guys. Yes, sir. <laughs> you're not kidding about that because let's just be honest. Julio Jones is going to probably be matched up on Cal Fuller. You're right. going to have Calvin Ridley over on Jalen Johnson. And let's just be honest. Julio Jones, he's a beast. And I think he's probably like a top three receiver in this league. Yeah. And the thing is, with him taking on the best cornerback of each of these teams, mm-hmm. It has allowed Ridley to go to work. Yep. Jones held in check today, but guess what? Ridley went to work. He was eating. And the one thing I'll just say, too, A-Dub, for our listeners. So the last time we played this team was in 2017. And in that game, the, the, Bear, the Bears lost. Uh, the, the Falcons were able to pull that game out. But we're a totally different team from that 2017 uh, season as opposed to the 2020 team that we have here today. So one of the things that I wanted to point out in the fact of when you look at that Falcons team, Matt Ryan, he gets sacked a lot. That offensive line, uh, to me, isn't that great. And Matt Ryan stays in the pocket like a statue a little bit. I would say the key for me when I look at this matchup is that defense. 
we need that front four to get some pressure on him. Now, we saw a little bit more pressure on the quarterback today, still not to that level where we need it to be. But I think next week, the key for us is going to be getting some pressure on that quarterback. What do you think about that aspect? No, I totally agree. Because I think uh, we can't have Picano putting us in his throat, uh, running three, uh, you know, running three, three guys, and then the other guys are just trying to, you know, um, stop the passing play. No, we need pressure. I think we need to send four guys in there, um, you know, let them run through. Quinn, um, Hicks, Mack, let those guys go in there, you know, send four. Don't just rush three, you know, because um, I think we will need to change that scheme up going to these guys. We can't let Matt Ryan sit back there and take us apart. No, put pressure on him. The more he gets pressure on him, the more he's liable to make mistakes. Yeah, because I'll tell you this. If, if you allow him to just sit back there, he's going to pick us apart. And also, too, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to make a lot of plays, and we cannot afford that. Because one thing I'll say, when I look at our quarterbacks and the way that they perform today, uh, when, when, when Sterling Shepard was out there, Kyle Fuller was neutralizing him. And on, the opposite, and on the opposite side of the field, Jalen Johnson's name didn't get called much on that broadcast, which makes me believe – and obviously, we saw the tape on it. That kid, he showed up pretty well today. Next week, <laughs> he got his hands full. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a different ball game, right? <laughs> exactly. We're talking about some top-tier um, quarter, I mean, wide receivers that he's going against next week. We're really going to see a real big test of how good Johnson really is. Because it ain't going to be no more Darius Slayton. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got his hands full, man. Also, too. Ty Gurley coming out of that backfield. What what you think about him? You think he's still got something left in the tank? He still does, but you know what? They don't milk him a lot. So uh, he actually had what? Not He didn't do much damage the first couple of weeks, I would say. Maybe like around 50 yards or less in both games. So um, they really not utilize him as much uh, like they like we thought we, they would use him. But I think, you know, um, they're really looking at their passing game as you know their biggest asset. And nothing wrong with that when you have Julio Jones and then Ridley. Of course, you're going to look at those two guys and Matt Ryan at that. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to use Gurley. I think he got some left in the tank still, but he's not going to get the uh, the carries, 20 plus, 20 carries a game. He's going to be more of like a 10 to 15 carry guy. And uh, most, of the thing, most of what they're going to do is probably throw that ball. And the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of when I think of this matchup, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think the matchup issue that I'm going to be looking at here is going to be Calvin Ridley versus Jalen Johnson. That's going to be huge, man. That's a big matchup. And you know what? I want to see if we decide to double coverage when some of these guys, um, Julio Jones or Ridley. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know the scheme yet of what Pagano going to do, but I'm wondering if we're going to double team one of these guys. We're going to see. Uh, we're going to have to get some – I think when it comes to Julio – we're going to have to get some safety coverage over there just to make sure that he doesn't beat these guys over the top of the defense. So we'll see what happens there. One thing that I was looking at, we're going to need Gibson to show up a little bit more uh, in the game because he was really quiet out there. Probably, you know, when you look at a safety, if his name's not getting called, it's probably because he didn't get beat over the top of the defense. But I still need Gibson to do a little bit more in that safety position because we saw that Deion Bush made a big play there in the ball game today right. in a reserve role. But where is Gibson? Well, we're going to need him, too, next week because, um, you know, they like I said, ATL got some guys they throw the ball to. I mean, Hayden Hurst is going to be someone that um, is going to be involved in the offense for ATL. So we're going to have to slow him down. Um, yeah, he's, he's, but, a, he's a beast at tight end. Exactly. So that means that means more work on our, um, you know, uh, our safeties, too. So that means they got to show up because they're going to be locked in with some of these guys. And I'll tell you one thing, too. Hopefully, uh, Danny Trevathan, I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he's not hurt. But I, I, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, Danny, because I respect you so much. 
I'm just going to say maybe he's hurt, but I'm going to tell you this. They got to figure this shit out with him because he's getting beat in coverage. Hayden Hurst is a young guy, and we already saw what TJ Hawkinson did against Danny Trevathan. We saw what happened today with Deion Lewis running away from him. We can't right. afford for uh, Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst to do that same thing, especially with those weapons that the Falcons have on offense. That's going to be bad news for us. Right, because Eddie Jackson can't always bail you out. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We're going to need him to step his game up. Because Eddie's going to be busy trying to help somebody with Julio or help somebody with uh, freaking Calvin uh, Ridley. So that, that's going to be interesting. I would just say this. When I look at this team, that matchup problem is going to be with those receivers because we, we probably won't uh, match up with receivers this talented all season long. And it's also going to mean, mean for us as well is that, hey, we're going to have to score some points. I don't <laughs> think 17 points is enough to beat them. We're going to need to put some points on the board to beat this team. You know, it's funny, right? So I, I was <laughs> looking on Twitter and uh, somebody was like calling out one of the Bears fans because I think their prediction for the, uh, the this past game against the uh, the Giants with the, the Bears will win 20 to, I think they said 20 to 13. And this particular person like kind of like came for this person and said, well, I'm so sick of Bears fans only thinking that this offense can score like 20 points. And like that means you don't have confidence in your offense. And if your offense is only scoring like 20 points and you're like a, a average offense. And I'm like, well, this person was right in basically their assess- assessment of this offense because we still aren't where we need to be in this offense. And this is year three. This is year three in the back naggy offense. And th- remember last year, A-Dub, everybody talked about this is 202. Because they were like, this is the second year in Matt Nagy's office, and then we were going to see all these great things, right? We didn't see shit last year. And so I will say this. <laughs> <laughs> the first half of this ball game today, I was, I was surprised. I was, like, pleasantly happy with the way things were going. But that second half of the game, I was like, dude, this is some ugly, ugly shit. It was. I mean, I think what? Trubisky was, what, 5 for 10 in the second half? 3 for 30 yep. yards around that? A yep. couple of interceptions? Didn't look, at, look good at all. And again, like I said, it was a lot of things, a lot of factors that were involved with that. But as a unit, we did not look good. And I think you're right. We got to be better, man. Better than this uh, moving forward. Yeah, and shout out to our uh, Twitter follower, uh, Cousin Heidi, because she definitely called it out. She said, dude, this is an ugly fucking win. And Bears fans, you guys should be concerned with this. So while everybody's probably happy and celebrating that we're 2-0, and I hope that you guys are really realizing that this team has a lot of things that they need to get better to prove upon. Because this Atlanta Falcons team, even if they blew a lead to the, the Cowboys today and won, I mean, and lost, this is a team that we really have to really hold in on. And let's let's not be uh let's not not forget the fact that they got Dante Fowler on that defense there for the Falcons. And he could cause an issue there for our tackles. And we don't have the strongest tackles in the league. No, we don't. No, we don't. And the thing is, we're gonna have to play better on offense, man. Now run the football, keep an eye on him for sure to make sure, you know, he doesn't make a big impact on us. But he's the one guy that we have to make sure we, we keep bodies going at him, you know. Uh, because, again, we want to run the football, right, with Montgomery. We've got to do something about that. We definitely do. So when you look at this Week 3 matchup, A-Dub, who's the player on the Bears roster that you think is going to stand out for us? On the okay. offensive side of it, the guy who I think has to step up on the offensive side of it is A-Rod. Okay. You are a guy. You know why you got to step up? Because guess what? You are going against two other great wide receivers. Ridley's out there, Julio Jones. You got to be better, dude. You got to come this next game. 
ready to go, ready to rock. Because those two dudes over there on the ACL, they ready. So if you say you deserve the money in that category, you got to show that this coming week. Because guess what? You're going to get your chances. Because as you know, you, you and I know that ACL, they play fast. They want to play fast, meaning that we're going to get a lot of opportunities to play on the offensive side of or the ball. So that means that, hey, it's time for our guys to make some big plays. That means, Miller, you got to step up. And for sure, A-Rob, it's your turn. Absolutely. And I would just say this. Again, I still agree, and I know my boy A-Dub agrees, that Allen Robinson deserves his extension. So we're team extend A-Rob over here. However, we still got to keep it 100 on this podcast and let you guys know that what we saw from A-Rob in week two, we cannot see in week three. He needs to show us that $20 million receiver. And because you're right, he's going to be going against the other guys who are talking about $20 million, right? Julio Jones. <laughs> really, hey, look, those dudes right there are going to show you something. And you got to show us that, hey, yeah, I'm here too. I'm with these guys. I'm in that same category. Give me the race. I'm going to show you why I deserve a race. This is your exactly. chance to show it again this coming week against a team that got two guys again. Exactly, because Julio Jones, he got the bag. So A-Rob's going to have to show us that he's on par with a guy like a Julio. I think for me, when I look at this matchup, I'm going to point to the running game. And I know that you listeners are going to be like, man, that's all press talks about. But I just think that a team like the Bears, we got to get off the bus running the football. And I'm going to point at David Montgomery again. If we get this guy running the ball 20 times a game in this game and for the rest of the season, I like our chances against most of these teams because that's going to open up the passing game. That's going to take the pressure off of Mitch and it's going to allow Nagy to play call in a way that he's not doing stupid shit out there. We got to get Montgomery the ball also. And I know you didn't agree with me earlier on that. Totally fine. I still love you. But Tariq Cohen, we got to get that guy the ball in space a little bit more. Like this guy's dynamic. If we're going to pay this guy up to $18 million you know, over the course of the next three years, I need to see more than six carries for 25 yards. That I agree with for sure. And I think um, he may have, he might have gotten that. Again, we didn't have a good second half when he got 30 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were stuck there, man. We didn't get a good, we didn't get much at all in that second half. So that hurts us too to see what else we would have done had we been able to get some yards in, right? We don't know. Uh, but you're right. We At the end of the day, Cohen has to make some plays for us in the passing game. And I think um, Negi has to look at that and, and, and put him in, that, in those situations. So I agree with you because I think the play calling this week um, against the Giants, we didn't call this number a lot and we didn't go to him a lot either. No, not at all. Well, hey, before we get out of here, man, what's your uh, score prediction for week three? Week three, this is going to be a good scoring game in week three. I think the score is going to be more like 28 to 23 or 25, something along those lines. It's going to be pretty much high scoring in the 20s, upper 20s. Maybe even hit the 30s. But we're going to have to put at least 28 points together to give ourselves a chance to beat this team. All right. So, you, so which one are we going? We going 28 to 24 or 28 to 25? We got to be concise here. <laughs> okay, 28 to 24. I'll go with that. 28 okay. to 24. All right, man. That's a good one. So I'm going to go Bears 31. I'm going to go Falcons 26. That's, okay. that's, that's my prediction. But I will say this. It's going to be a shootout. And I think that the team that wins the game next week is going to be the team that has the ball last. I think we're going to have to – it's going to be another cardiac game. And I'm telling you, guys, if we don't record next uh, next Sunday and, and if we don't have an episode to release next Monday, 
you know, the press uh, died of a heart attack because I cannot handle <laughs> any more of these cardiac games. Right. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I can't take any more of this shit. This, these games, this, these two weeks, I'm like, man, either I'm going to die of a heart attack or I'm going to become a raging alcoholic. Either one's right. not good. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, hey, Doug, this has been a fun episode. Fans, Club Dub is back open. Before we get out of here, we want to remind our listeners that we are running a contest on our Twitter page. So see our pinned tweet at the Bears Pot. We're running a contest for a signed autograph, Devin Hester football. And I'm telling you, any true Bears fan, that's just something that you guys probably should want in your collection. So check out our, our, our pinned tweet there and do what you got to do there. And we're going to be running a drawing on Friday. And we'll be announcing on our Twitter account the winner of that football. So definitely make sure that you guys, you know, get in there and qualify for the football. We're definitely excited for all the entries that we have. We have 97 so far. Very excited about that. But keep them coming in. A-Dub, sign us off, brother. Thanks for listening to the Barry Centers podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. On next week's episode... We will recap the week three matchup against the Falcons. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.